We're back to review the International Game Week FPL minefield and the FPL surgery. Welcome back listeners, hoping you've all got through the International Game Week with your team intact and not too many regretted early transfers. Coming to you on the 10th of September 2019, mid-England versus Kosovo. It's currently 5-3. Kane's just missed a penalty. Hmm. We're making a real pig's ear of this, but we'll uh, we'll stay on top of that throughout the podcast. First of all, welcoming back for our 142nd episode, The Iceman. Thank you very much, Billy. Can't believe Kane's missed a penalty. That's big news. Yeah, I was uh, I was coming home from uh, a course earlier on today through Southampton. Actually, the Kosovo fans were in strong voice in the city of Southampton. I, I, I swiftly made for my boat back to the sanctuary of the Isle of Wight. <laughs> but yeah, great crowd coming out to support them. Yeah, it actually made me a lot later home, which was very annoying. Yeah, England doing the job, but not defensively. So we'll keep our eye on that. Um, anyway, let's get down to business. We have an FPL guest, actually someone who's got a real pedigree and history in the game. FPL fanatic of 15 years plus Contributes to Fantasy Football Hub, so lots to be taken from that. Three top 10k finishes, two in the top 2.5k. And his best finish was 1,914th overall. He has also scooped number one in the United Arab Emirates on one occasion. Welcome to the podcast, Jossie, a.k.a. John Lambert. Thanks very much, lads. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to have you, mate. Great to have you on board. As I ask all of our guests, John, which we're going to refer to you as throughout the podcast, you, you've been playing for 15 plus years. So I was interested which version of FPL that you initially got into. Okay, so I got into FPL. Well, I actually got into fantasy football a couple of years before FPL ever launched. So 18-year-old lads playing a watch-together telegraph version that my boss used to organise on his own little spreadsheet where he used to manually type the player scores into his spreadsheet from the newspaper once a week. And and I was hooked from then. I really loved it. I did quite well, to be fair. Then FPL launched. I think I, I wasn't aware of FPL at first. I think the... The first year of FPL launched mid-season. The next yeah. year, I joined a couple of weeks late. So I missed the start of the season, but I've been hooked ever since. And I, I mean, I love the analytical side. I'm, I love a good spreadsheet. And it's, it's funny, I, up until... So you, you yeah. refer to my um, 1914 finish. That was the last year before I was exposed to the FPL community. Before that, I was so off the cuff, just a bit of eye test, never looked at stats. We'll get into it later. But yeah, a very rudimentary approach. But it worked. And and yeah, I'm absolute obsessive. Love could you when you were when you were emailing or posting your team back when you started could you ever have imagined it would be this quick and seamless as we've got it now <laughs> no exactly i actually ended up because i was a bit of a tech i was working in a software company i ended up writing a little bit of software for presenting my team in a, in a graphical way and, yeah. and totaling up my scores to this day when actually i put together the the fpl planner that's on the hub um yeah. So always been a little bit of a, um, a joy of mine to put together a planner or... A bit of a geek is what you're saying. Yeah, so. a little bit of a geek. <laughs> Proud geek. Yeah, good. Yeah, you're owning it. Yeah, so great to have you on board, John. We're uh, looking forward to hearing how your thinking has evolved over time and how you're going to deal with some of the big issues coming up in this next game week. 
FPL headlines. So most importantly, last game week, Manchester City did the business once more. They're looking really good. So our top headline, Aguero, the man of the hour. We're going to discuss that. Premium defenders, Trent Alexander-Arnold, bye-bye-bye. And AWB is sell, sell, sell at the moment. Who are we replacing Laporte with? Lots to be thinking about there for premium defenders. The value of a buck. We're going to discuss team value. We're also going to ask, do you get too attached to your big hitters or go fixture chasing with them? Uh, made in Chelsea in brackets attack and the wild cards to select on your wild cards. Uh, for those of you who haven't played it yet. First of all, very, very quickly, lads, how we got on in our game weeks. Iceman, how did you fare? Yeah, so I didn't make any changes this week. I captain Sterling, hit 56 overall. Uh, so yeah, not too bad in the end. Yeah, saved up a transfer for this week. Um, see, I'm overall rank of 392,000. Okay, and how about you, John? How did you get on? Um, an okay week. I, I scored 55. I'm on the back of the wild card the previous week where Salah out hit me, and I was hoping for Mane to, um, to score that brace, which... Salah again let me down on. Um, outside of that, though, Captain and Sterling was a bit of a disappointment. But I'm well set at the moment. I- I'm happy with my team. 520k at the moment. But I think well placed to, to kick on. Yeah, a position to strike. That's what we want at this point in the season. I, I had a really good um, game week following my wild card. I got 73. And I was one of the lucky ones that... Um, I looked at Aguero, I saw that the uh, the theme in captaincy was going to Sterling, who I do have, but I thought, let's give Sergio a go. He's looking in good form and he paid me back big time. So 73, by no means the highest score in that last game week, but certainly above the average. So um, I moved up a fair bit. Interestingly, Iceman, I'm within five points of you, but there's like hundreds of thousands of places between us. So it just goes to show how tight it is yeah, at tight. this point in the season. Yeah, exactly. But the yeah. main point for you is you are still above me. So yeah. you can put that over. It will stay that way. Oh, God. we'll see. <laughs> um, okay, so just to mention our new Patreon. So again, thank you for the continued support. We say it every week, but we really do appreciate it. We've been able to put more of your of your, your kind contributions into our prize pot and to develop better prizes. The new patrons this week, Ben Smith, Matt Johns, Matt Stewart, Bobby McDee, Oyvind Birdle, and uh, have all joined at the Slack level. So thanks for that. And they can be getting involved in all the great stuff that's going on in our Slack channel. And Ron Frost continues to, to support us at our highest sponsorship tier on Patreon. Absolutely fantastic. fantastic. Thank you so much, Ron Frost, for supporting the pod so generously. And if anybody else would like to get involved with either our Slack channel, opportunities to win prizes in our monthly league, our, our yearly league, cup competitions, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery. You can support us at varying levels on there. Um, as we said, chances to win our T-shirts, personalised mugs. We've got the stress balls now, and that's going down very well with some very, very stressed out FPL managers worldwide, Iceman. Do you have one at your desk at work? Oh, everywhere. Upstairs, at desk, downstairs, watching TV. They're predominantly meant for that Saturday morning captain stress that we tend to... Uh, we tend to run into but you know an argument with with your partner or frustrations at work it can be used in a whole range of different places so get involved for one of those let's talk business don't we, we know that you don't like waiting too much with the preamble chat we go through so let's get into aguero the map of the hour we've had a couple of questions here so i'm just going to throw these out there to shape our discussion how essential is Conaguero, asked Luke Jurdy. Can you fit him sterling Salah, and de bruyne into your team without completely massacring it 
So one thing for you to think about, chaps, can we fit all the premiums in with Aguero? And Matt has asked, is Aguero something to consider for the season or is Jesus going to get more minutes when back from injury? Does that make him a 9.5 million option? I'll open the floor initially, Iceman, to John. So, John, what are your thoughts on Sergio Aguero? Do you have him? What would your answer be to those questions? So, it's a strange one. He's the top scorer in FPL now. He's probably the best striker in the league, playing for probably the best team in the league. And I don't own him. And I genuinely, I'm not considering getting him at the moment. Mm, it's, it's tough, but I have Sterling. I have Salah. I've seen quite a few teams that are going for maybe three premiums. I think the the presence of Campwell, Lundstrom, maybe to a lesser extent than Donker, could allow you to uh, viably play some of those players week in, week out and have bench fodder like Rico sitting there stinking out your bench. But for me, it's just leaving yourself down a, a blind alley with, with lack of flexibility that will be tough to get out of if it, if it blows up in your face. For me, I think I only see the value in having two premiums. And certainly as a sterling owner, I don't see the point in, in using transfers and hits, swapping them around at the moment. We have seen that Jesus is back now in training. I think it's overestimated the impact that he'll probably have on Aguero, but I'm sure he'll have some impact. I, I think I, I'm just going to have to find myself an Aguero-sized sofa and, and cling on for dear life. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, everyone was thinking that Jesus was going to you know, interfere with Aguero's minutes a lot more this season. Just no particular reason, just thought that Pep might be giving him more of a go. And obviously he's got injured, he's going to be coming back. I don't think he's going to get straight back into the team so I can see more minutes from Aguero as well. But you look at a team which has managed to fit it in and Bully has in, in fact got a wild card which he's managed to fit Aguero, Sterling, De Bruyne and Salah in. And his team's not terrible. The only problem is, is, is you haven't got that flexibility, which John said. Like, yeah, you've got the likes of Cantwell, you've got Mings and Soyanku as well. Some cheap defenders there, but whether or not you can move around those players, you can't really free up much money. I know you've got Mount as well to bring yeah. in like a, another mid-price um, midfielder, but you've got some of the best premium assets and mm -hmm. whether or not that's going to work out it's going to be interesting to see how that goes throughout the season and where that where that gets you because you've, you know you've built your bridge at the moment you've, you've got your premiums and now you're just going to see how it goes and it will be interesting but I mean for me I can't fit Aguero in I want to keep Sterling and I can't see the point difference between Sterling and Aguero being much different for example Sterling's I think he's got two higher points finishes coming into the season than Aguero's high highest points finish I think his highest points finish was 216 and Sterling's was 234-229 so he's had those higher points finish at the end of the season and I can see that happen again I mean you saw what it was like in the England game today as well it just yeah, reminds you every time that Sterling is a great asset I know he didn't get any shots in the last game but you just know that the points are coming. And the stats between Salah, Sterling and Aguero, the premium assets, are all really similar in terms of shots. But Aguero has been getting less minutes. He's always going to be a good option. And if you've managed to fit him in, then great. It's good for you. And you've always got that downgradable option to get rid of him if Jesus does come in. But if you've already got your team set up the way you have, like I have, then I'm not looking to get him. But I can see why people are wanting to bring him in. Yeah. 
I mean, I, one of the things I was slightly worried about with internationals was um, a, a Argentina play Mexico only a few days before the next round of fixtures, but Aguero wasn't actually in the international squad. No, um, Still yeah. only went for, for other players, uh, younger players. So, yeah, so I feel confident about Aguero's minutes continuing. And even if he only plays 70, the way City are banging goals in at the moment, I think they're going to really do the job against Norwich as well. I think he'll still be quite prolific. So I definitely think he's worth having. Yeah, he has been over the years. So I kind of think that he's not worth ripping your team up to rearrange and get him in. If I had a wild card I was playing this week, maybe I'd squeeze him in this week. But it would be a kind kind of short-term move to capitalise on these fixtures and then probably jump off again pretty soon, I would think. Who who would you be looking at out of interest to to replace him with? Does Kane's form over the international break give you give you any hope to go back to him, or would you be thinking, you know, an Aubameyang? What, what have you got in mind? Well, I mean, I'm I'm liking the lower cost strikers at the moment. Yeah. I've at the moment I'm I'm loaded up on on mid priced strikers, and I like those. So I think I would probably be jumping off Aguero straight back to that kind of. Tammy Abraham, Haller, Brackett. So have you got the three mid-priced strikers, John? Well, I mean, we'll come to that later, but I actually currently have two. I've currently got uh, Pookie and Barnes, and I'm hoping my transfer this week will add a third one. Oh, okay. So I suppose that then limits your flexibility in terms of you can only move between the mid-price strikers. And if you've already got three of the best, you're only going to be moving down towards worse options than the ones you've already got. True. So just, just something to think about. Yeah, I think, yeah. So plenty said that. I, I agree with the sentiment. If you've got to take a minus 12 to get Aguero in, it's probably not going to be worth it. Uh, before we move on, just a little bit of fun. If you if you want to read anything about uh, Jesus' injury, uh, the current headline is not about his injury. It's about the fact that he's come out about his girlfriend in public and his mum's not very happy about him. So <laughs> if that's a bit of a laugh, have a Google. That's the sun. Um, a couple of outlets have come out with that, actually, but it probably is. Yeah. So premium defenders. So we are pro TAA. We're thinking sell AW. UB. We're thinking Laporte replacements. Let me give you a bit of a summary of the uh, the main topics, and then perhaps we can discuss this generally, chaps. So first of all, Jay Ross has asked best Laporte replacement budget up to seven point one million. And NT Abroad has asked, is having two Liverpool defenders a bad use of funds at the moment? If you're only allowed to have one pool defender, who would it be? VA, VVD or Robbo? Um, I would throw Matip into that discussion at the moment. Marvin the Gooner has said thoughts on sideways moves like Robbo to Trent. FPL H2H, who to replace Wan-Bissaka with? Straight spot to offer Otamendi or a minus four to get in TAA? And the uh, FPL Hitman's asked Van Dyke to TAA. So, so I think... Predominantly, there TAA is, is the big question. So let's go to that first. So, John, do you want to do you want to speak a bit about TAA? Yeah, what? absolutely. Well, as a wild card in game week two, I know that an awful lot of us did ditch Liverpool defence altogether, and I'm so glad I didn't. Uh, I kept Trent. He, for me, looks like the standout best Liverpool defender. No two ways about it. There was talk at the start of the season about. Is he a risk of being rotated? Is Gomez going to steal some of his minutes? It's not looking like that's going to be the case. And to be fair, even if it is, I think it's worth the risk. I think with a decent bench, it's worth keeping TAA for the mega hauls that he's going to deliver. He's got so many routes into points, the set pieces, the, the, the corners which he takes consistently. His delivery is fantastic. 
And and I'm confident that Liverpool defence is going to start delivering clean sheets. So, in terms of sideways moves to get him, Van Dijk to TAA, uh, Robbo to TAA. To be honest, yeah, absolutely. But situational, you, you'd need to have no fires burning elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, burning the free transfer on that yeah, move is difficult. Free TAA looks stand out for me. Yeah, it is difficult with burning that free transfer. I did think about it myself because I had Robertson had a I've got a free transfer, but I'm going to roll that transfer instead. I mean, I knew, like you say, I knew TAA was the better than Robertson at the start of the season. If they both got the same minutes, I just didn't think that TAA would get. You know, I thought he would get benched at least one game or so, but he is the best defender to have. And even if he does get rotated for like those big games, you kind of don't expect a clean sheet anyway. So you may as well just have him. But, yeah, I thought I'd go through the stats in terms of Robertson and TAA, just those two alone. And Robertson is actually top for all defenders for touches in the final third, beating TAA. And he's second for touches overall, whilst TAA is 10th for all defenders. And he's also third for total passes received, whereas TAA is 17th for defenders. So it's just showing that Robbo, yeah, he's had a lot more of the ball and his teammates are kind of using that left side a little bit more than the right side. It's just the other stats that really count in TAA's favour, isn't it really? TAA's got 14 chances created to Robertson's five, four big chances to Robertson's one. Yeah, he's got three assists and Robertson's got zero. So although TAA shouldn't have really had anything against Burnley, he just kind of got lucky with that. But you cannot deny his crossing ability. His right foot, it kind of looks like a left foot in my eyes, if that makes any sense. Normally, with that type of whip he puts on a ball, you usually see that from like a left-footed player. That makes any sense to anyone. But anyway, TAA as well, the other stats I saw, he has 41 crosses to Robertson's 28. And they're both one and two for defenders in that particular bracket. But Robertson has had more successful crosses than TAA. So there is a lot to like about Robertson. So to sum up, I'm sticking with Robertson. I kind of made that decision at the start of the season. And I'm going to stick with it at least till my wild card because you never know when that free transfer that I'm saving up this week might come in handy for next week. Although sometimes, you know, you look back at like past seasons, sort of Baines to Coleman, that move was better or the other way around. I can't remember which way around it was, but just doing that sideways move was the better option come the end of the season. But at the moment, you know that Robertson's, he's done well for the past, what, two seasons? Whereas TAA only had really last season that he really scored a load of points. So I'm going to stick with Robertson for now and see what happens for my wild card. So I, I wouldn't necessarily move if you, like John has said, if you haven't got any other fires as well. I would prefer to carry that transfer over. While I've got you there, Iceman, mm-hmm. best best Laporte replacement. Yeah, so that was from Jay Ross, wasn't it? Jay Ross. Um, see, I I look at this question and I see a lot of questions like this. And it made me think differently, other than just giving a simple answer for it. I mean, I was on the FML FPL podcast last week. Quick shout out to those guys. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was a lot of fun. And Walsh has, he's got the same dilemma as you, J-Roz. Now, we mentioned on that pod that Tarkovsky was an option or even Otamendi. Now we can get into the merits of those guys in just a bit. But Walsh said that, you know, he's an experienced manager. So he said to himself, well, I need to work that out what, where I'm going to go with that, with that one. Now, 
what I'm going to say, I don't want it to come across as no one should ask these type of questions, as obviously we, we love people sending in these types of questions. But when a manager asks this type of question, whether on Twitter or to a podcast, I think they need to think about what type of answer they're looking for. Now, we could easily list as many options for you, Jay Ros, and hopefully you'll come away from this pod uh, with a clearer picture in your head. But this type of question all depends on the current team of the person who's actually asking the question. Now, when you're asking it, are, are you looking at to use all the money from Laporte and whatever you have in the bank to go on the player around that price mark? For example, you know, my obvious answer here would be TAA because I just think it's the best option. Or are you looking to downgrade and free up money for players elsewhere? What plan are you looking to come out from this transfer? And I know <laughs> I'm probably going a little bit deep here, but I think it's something people need to consider on every transfer they make as one transfer can kind of lead to the next transfer and the next and the so on. It, it all makes a difference for almost kind of for your whole season. I know it sounds a bit much, it's only one transfer, Ice Man, stop going on. But for example, if you're looking ahead with your team and you say that you've got, I had Yotta in my team last week, I needed to get rid of him. You know, if you want to use all your remaining balance on the port, then you barely have anywhere to go for Yotta next week. All this sounds like obvious stuff really but yeah I'm just saying it it isn't easy to answer a question like this it kind of depends on what type of manager you are and the one you're looking to have as a player for the next six game weeks or for the short term are you a manager like you know who likes to take hits or you move off players quickly how happy are you with your current team there are many many factors that you've got to keep in mind when asking a question like this I mean if I was to ask this question and I would look at my team, I'd decide if I need to free up cash, and I'd say, who would you bring in for Laporte around the 4.5 price mark, as I need to free up money? So then, just say a podcast or whatever, whoever you're asking, would then look into the 4.5 defenders and be like, okay, Burnley have good fixtures from now on, they've got the lowest of big chances, etc. So I'd be saying that maybe Lotan would be a good option for you. So it all depends what you're looking for from this question, but I'm going to reel it back. I'm just trying to get people to kind of think about when they're thinking about new players, how they're going to structure their team, where they're going for, have they created a plan or are they just looking for the easiest option possible? So okay, I'm going to move to you now, John. What <laughs> options do you... <laughs> no, I think I spent in summary, it's taken 142 episodes, but you were finally snapped. You hate <laughs> with questions after all. <laughs> I love the questions. I just think I know, that I you know, people people should try and think in a, in a different term of thought in terms of where they're going with, uh, you know, what answers are they looking for. So, John, going to come to you now. What okay. what players do you think are good options for replacements for Laporte? And don't say TAA. <laughs> okay. Well, to be honest, the other point I would add to what you just said is about framing the question is we don't actually know who he already has. He may already have trends. Yeah. Um, but my gut feel for this straight away is the assumption that he presumably only has one City defender and I'd be wanting to replace and, and get another one in. And for me at the moment, Otamendi looks like great value. That's going to fill or tick two boxes rather. You're going to save a bit of money and hopefully get a fairly nailed City defensive asset. And that's kind of where I'm wanting to go soon. Uh, with my um Bissaka. but one of the things I did, I'm, I'm going off slightly on a tangent, but one of the problems with my wildcard team was 
deciding to get Wan-Bissaka instead of Zinchenko, which I want to quickly rectify now. And I think I'm going to be doing so by getting Otamendi because he looks a great pick now. Yeah, he should be nailed for that kind of left centre-back position, shouldn't he? So mm. I, I, if it was me, I, I'd probably look at that if I'm looking around that price mark as well. Yeah, I agree with that pick. But like I was saying as well, if I, I'm going back to Burnley, like, as I mentioned, they've got good fixtures, lowest for big chances conceded so far. That's the same as um, Leicester and United on four. Yeah, they've got no Europa League. They're back to restricting teams from shooting outside the box. Maybe it's time to even double up on that Burnley defence. Maybe that is an option. Just to, yeah. just to add a, a few in from the um, from the data, Ice Man. there was another question from FPL H2H on uh, on who to replace Wan-Bissaka with, um, and, and they were looking at Otamendi as well. Just to give you the five uh, highest rising, or, or, or most picked rather, players transferred in during this last week, or, or today at least, John Lundstrom is still very much uh, gaining momentum at the top there. I'm not sure if that's because he's an enabler and playing in midfield. Vestergaard at Saints is getting a lot of interest. Peters at Burnley. Dinia and uh, TAA. As we talked about him so much, I'll go to the next one, which is Patrick Van Arnholt. So there's a few sort of differentials there dotted around the, the, the lower clubs that people are certainly committing to. I would say that um, Tarkovsky should be an option. Like, like I mentioned earlier, he almost scored in the last game and he's actually top for penalty area touches for defenders, even above TAA. So he could be uh, you know, a bit of a dark horse with their fixtures coming up. Yeah, Burnley's fixtures look fantastic and it, it doesn't sound an awful idea to double up on them, to be honest. I'm not sure I want to go there. I've, I've got Pope and I think I'm happy with uh, holding a single Burnley defensive asset. Yeah, yeah, I've got Pope as well. I'm of the same thinking there. Um, chaps, we've been on the defenders for quite a while now. I'm going to move us on to headline three, which is the value of a buck. Discussion regarding team value. Let's go to John on this one because he loves a bit of team value. <laughs> I do have a bit of a reputation for my friends on Twitter and, and my mini leagues that team value is something that's always been a really big part of my game. And I can't get that fixation out of my head, sometimes to a fault. But I do believe it's a really big part of the game. Everyone's got their own style, but I think it can be a really big part of the game, certainly in the in the early part of the season. I, mean, I think a common misconception from quite a few the people who I talk to about this is that it's all about building up the highest team value number. So your, your team's worth 108 million or it's worth 189 million. For me, it's less about that. And it's more about the fact that I want to get on to players at as close to the base price as possible. I don't want to think that I've bought Pookie at 7 million quid when I could have had him at 6.5, particularly in, in the early part of the season. Those you miss out on a 0.1 price increase, and it, it does equate to 0.5 because all of the prices are banded into 0.5s, and instantly you're having to downgrade elsewhere if you're wanting to find the, the play in the next bracket. So, for me, particularly in the early part of the season, I, I'm keen to uh, avoid drops at all costs. If I'm confident, absolutely confident in the case of Kevin De Bruyne, that he's a player that I absolutely want long term, I'd rather get him now for 9-5 rather than 9-6 because I think it makes all the difference. And those little 0.1s, they do, they have a habit of bugging you. Just <laughs> when you're going to make a transfer, you always seem to be 0.1 short. Great time, so, isn't it? Even that one. So frustrating. Yeah. yeah, I mean, interestingly, I, I've done this ever since 
my days before the FPL community um, were, were a big part of my life. And before I knew about strikes like FPL statistics, and I used to literally monitor the net transfers in and out on <laughs> on the <laughs> FPL awesome. site, oh. have a feel for so-and-so's just got a, a, a brace, so he's going to be rising. I suppose there was a lot more guesswork involved, but I've always thought about this and tried to get on players early. Again, just because I don't like to overpay. And I, and I feel that that does enable me, certainly later in the season, to build a nice, strong, wildcard team. I mean, what's your view, guys? Yeah, I, I think the be aggressive at the start of the season and take a few risks here and there. If most players drop more than go up, in fact, so if you know that your player's dropping, then you want to get rid as soon as uh, at the start of the season. Come the middle of the season, I tend to completely almost ignore it and then just hope that my team value that I've built up to that point is still going to keep going and I'm going to be picking the right players because if you are picking the right players your value does go up with it and then by that point I just kind of calm down you know no no hits taken or anything but yeah I agree with you about the start of the season I do think it's important to keep a monitor of it because if you don't you're just going to end up with not as much cash to spend on that second wild card and you do want to do that and that is kind of a crucial part of the season at times. Yeah, and as someone who was less successful, very much so than the Iceman last season, I can be testament to that because when it came to doing my second wild card, I just didn't have the same funds that others did to get those, you know, two premium players, etc., or you know, a few mid-priced midfielders. It does make a difference. So, certainly paying more attention to that this season. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but on the flip side of that, it's funny how you know going into um, double game week wild card towards the end of the season. The number of times in recent years that I've had the budget in, in my back pocket to get the slightly more expensive asset than Bernardo Silva, and then Bernardo Silva's the one that goes <laughs> yeah. and gets a, a, a double-digit haul. Sometimes my ability to buy the, the premium player has blown up in my face. But you've got to trust in your ability at the end of the season, haven't you? Of and or if you've got the option to have that yeah. more expensive player, you kind of want that. And it's always nice to have the option and just know that you can choose the right one. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't cancel being hit to um, simply to, to catch price rises. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think but that's you, it. You just kind of want to go, I mean, like, for example, this week, you know, I have brought in Barnes early and got rid of Yotta because yeah, he was going down in price, Barnes was going up. I took the risk, I've got another transfer in the bank and I've just taken that risk at the moment. It seems to have gone okay, touch wood. Um, we'll see what happens I, with the rest of my players. I do feel like one of the things we're seeing this season though is yeah, even if you do go to a premium player and you think, oh, I've spent all that money on an £11 million player and... You know, he's not coming this week. I think over the course of the season, it will average out those players will score higher. You know, if you, if you pick them for six game weeks, yeah, I think more often than not, we're seeing this season, you know, your Sterlings, he might have one blank, but the rest of the time, you know, he's been on fire for England this week. Um, same with De Bruyne, same with Salah. You might not get a goal one week and Mane will star, but the next week he'll be in. So I think those truly world-class players in Man City and Liverpool at the moment are going to continue to return if the form is anything to go by. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I would say, I mean, there's a part of me thinking that this year, more than ever, there seems to be an absolute wealth of, of premium assets that we'll want. So perhaps come the end of the season, the value is going to be more important than ever if you're going to be able to afford maybe one extra premium player or yeah. 
could be more important than ever. Yeah, well, well, we'll reflect back on that in the second wild card and see Absolutely. if we're right. Let, let's move. I think this actually segues nicely into our next headline, which is: Do you get too attached to your big hitters or go fixture chasing? I think it's interesting because uh, for, for me, Eden Hazard has been the the man that's typified that the most for me over the course of the last three or four seasons. I've always got him in and just stuck with him and perhaps less like the City and Liverpool players of recent years. He hasn't always had those brilliant, really long runs. And I would say Eden Hazard not being in the Premier League has slightly changed the way we play FPL now because he's one other big hitter that you don't consider anymore. And I don't think really he's been replaced. But this idea of not getting too attached to, to big hitters, Iceman, do you want to lead off on this? No, I actually want John to. You want John to? Okay, let's go to John first. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, this is something that one, one of my friends in the community, Late Riser 12, has been beating the drum about. He's adamant that we have this wealth of premium assets and, and we can't get too bogged down by you know, sticking to the ones we have rather than kind of capitalising on those fixture runs. Because as we all know, the, the captaincy is probably the one of the most fundamental decisions you make every week. And, and nailing the captaincy every week is crucial to having a great season. So do we need to be ensuring we've got the best captaincy options? For me, I'm not so sure. I mean, we look at Cases like uh, last season where everyone was adamant you had to have Kane for the Cardiff game and and people blew minus four to get him in and get him out and he let us down. I think sometimes it's difficult to to absolutely, certainly on a short period, to cherry pick who's going to deliver against those great fixtures. The, the, the ultimate premium players are capable of delivering in any game. Salah can can score against any of the top six. Sterling can do the same. So the other challenge I see is that Sterling, a good example, his value's already risen now by 0.3. If I sell him and then I want to get him back later, I'm just throwing value away. Now, that's not to say that I think you need to be locked into players because you're scared of throwing that value away either. I think that's a, that's a real danger. But I don't think we have the capability to be Shopping and changing big hitters, certainly on a hokey cokey basis. Yeah, I agree with that fully because you've got to look at it as these big hitters are big hitters for a reason because they're often performing and they're the most consistent. And sometimes it's not easy to tell, as we've seen with the captaincy, it's very difficult to tell which one's going to explode in every other game. Like I've got every captaincy wrong so far in terms of Salah and yeah. Sterling, but it doesn't mean that I want to remove any of them, actually. I mean, I did have in my plans to actually remove Salah and go for the likes of an Arsenal asset up top just because they're good fixtures, but the way Salah is playing and the way that Arsenal are playing and the other premiums are playing, Salah is the, the better option. So... I'm going to stick with him. But if he was going out of form and wasn't, you know, like last season, he didn't score for, I don't know what it was, like seven games or whatever it was. He's an easy one to remove out. But at the moment, I can still see him scoring every game. So I just think you just need to hold the players. And yeah, you do get a little bit attached to them in terms of you you don't want to let them go, especially when they've gone up that point three or point one or any any sort of value. It does become a bit of a, a sticker for your team. So, yeah, I do agree with you. It's okay. a challenge, though. Are we saying that, and, and I almost am for the, for the time being, that I'm, I'm, I'm investing in my, my money and my sterling, and, and I'm foregoing Aubameyang, who's probably like to score a ton of goals, 
uh, Kane, who I'm sure will come back into form. And perhaps we're saying, yeah, you, you have to. I mean, it, it comes back to the old adage, you can't have them all. Yeah. Um, and jumping back and forth is only likely to burn you from time to time. Yeah, it's something which I tried last season in terms of Kane to Aubameyang. I think I ended up just staying on Aubameyang. It kind of worked out okay because he still scored points, but I did want to go back to Kane last season. I couldn't in the end because of other other problems. So yeah, it is is risky. So chaps, I'm going to. Uh, I'm just aware of time, so I'm going to move us on to uh, our fine, well, our, our fifth headline, and then we'll get into some more questions. Um, and this is about the the Chelsea attack, which. If we take ourselves back to the start of the season, I don't think this headline would be in so soon, considering Chelsea's attack was Giroud, Tammy Abraham, and at the time, Mitchie Batshuayi. So, really surprised to see this one in here. But uh, Frank's youngsters have done okay so far. So, Flapjack has asked, Mount versus Tammy is both too much for game week five and six. Fixtures do turn in game week seven for the better. So, the question is, do Chelsea's potential form in those games Warren having them. And Matt has asked, do we need a Chelsea attacker for game week 7 to 15? Only one bad game week with Man City in game week 13 during that time. It's an interesting one. Tammy Abraham looks a natural finisher in this Chelsea team. I do know Iceman in the last game, you felt his goals weren't as legit as perhaps on paper. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I did think that he his goals were kind of a little bit lucky. They'd come from two mistakes, but you need to be there to, to get them. And he is scoring the points at the moment. Uh, it seems to be informed. They do have good fixtures from game week seven to 12. I really like those fixtures. So I do have Mount at the moment. Uh, he is a little bit annoying. He was playing out on the left. He kind of plays a different game when Barkley's on the pitch. And they've also got um, Hudson-Odoi to come back, who's in full training as well. But but it's quite exciting there at Chelsea in terms of attack. Defence, I wouldn't really go near. I know Emerson's kind of had an injury on the international, so you've got to be wary of that. I think he's going to be okay, said the Italian manager. But yeah, I still wouldn't go there. But yeah, the, the attack, it's it's interesting one, whether to go for the likes of uh, Tammy. It's just their fixtures, they're not the best in the next two, are they? Wolves and Liverpool. And they've also got the Champions League to come into play as well. And whether or not they're going to, there's going to be some rotation there because Giroud's still there in the background. He's not yeah, you know, injured or anything. So there is potential that a couple of bad games from Tammy and then Giroud could come in. So that, I am a little bit wary about that. I do think there are better options elsewhere, but it's exciting times for their attack in terms of FPL. What are your thoughts, John? Yeah, I'm in a similar position to you. I've got mounts. I'm happy to hold him for the time being. And looking at those next two fixtures, I think that'll do me for now. Tammy, he has hauled uh, significantly in the last two games, but it is against two newly promoted sides. So I'd like to give him these next couple against Wolves, against Liverpool, see if he's still delivering. Then maybe, I mean, I think from 7 to 15... I wouldn't be against the double up if they're looking really good. I mean, as you say, the Chelsea defence is looking ropey, to, to say the least. But in attack, they're looking exciting enough and they may actually need to score a few goals to have any chance of getting any points. So it's a wait and see for me on Tammy. But yeah, definitely one to consider from seven onwards, I think. OK, so final headline, the wild card to select on your wild card. So, John, let's assume that some managers still have their wild card to play. What are your thoughts on this one? So, who are we looking at? I mean, I think at the moment, I had a look at pulling together a, a wild card because, as I say, I did play it two weeks ago. 
and I'm not a million miles away from, from what I would probably wildcard to now. I think for me, there was a lot of talk, or there has been a lot of talk about getting off the premium defence. Now, I still think the premium defence is is the way to go out of that. I feel that there's a switch back towards a 3-4-3, but I think if you build in Alexander-Arnold, maybe Dean, and possibly Mendy now, that's a good, solid set-and-forget defence to see you through um, a good few months now. I think you need at least, in my, my mind, two of those kind of mid-price strikers, Pookie, Barnes, Halle. Uh, yeah, those would be, I suppose, my key outside of the, the Sterling, De Bruyne. I think De Bruyne's a must-have now. He's looking exceptional value for nine and a half, nine eight, whatever you have to pay for him now. Um, he looked fantastic again in, in the internationals this week. Yeah, so I mean, the wild cards which we're looking. So this is effectively differentials, isn't it? And a lot of people are looking at Barnes, and he's not differential because everyone's going him. So. I do think the other option as an alternative to Barnes is actually Chris Wood. He's at 6.3, 0.6 ownership. Last season, I looked at his stats from last season in comparison to Barnes, and he got 10 goals and 3 assists, and Barnes got 12 goals and 3 assists. Season before that, Wood got 10 goals and 1 assist, whereas Barnes only got the 9 goals and, and no assists. So I thought I'd check out the numbers so far this season and see what's going on in terms of why Barnes has got all the points and Wood hasn't. So Wood has only been subbed once. Barnes been subbed three times. So maybe that's just protecting Barnes in some way. Barnes has had more touches. So looks more involved. Similar for passes received. And Wood is higher for touches in the final third though. Wood has got 16 penalty area touches to Barnes's 17. So they're quite close there. Wood's only got five attempts. And Barnes has got 15. And Barnes has also scored four. And Wood zero. But... Who's to say that things might change? They normally have an on-par season together. So as a differential, with Burnley's fixtures, they've got Brighton away, Norwich at home, Aston Villa away, Everton at home, Leicester away. So they're not bad fixtures coming up. So I would say that as just going for a complete differential in terms to, to Barnes, who I've brought in this week, but Wood could be a good asset as well. If you haven't got the money to go Barnes, I don't see a problem in going Wood. It might be hitting before he hits form, but... Who knows? It could happen. Yeah, I think in the in the midfield area, there's an awful lot of people looking to try and fill that um, that kind of six million spot. A lot of people looking at Mount, looking at Ceballos. A, a, a cheeky little one might be Harry Wilson. The Bournemouth fixtures yeah. are, are pretty kind coming up. You got Everton at home, Southampton away, West Ham at home, and then following the Arsenal game, you've got Norwich, you've got Watford, which again have been kind defences. Wilson's been chipping in with the goals and he's at a very kind price point. Again, could be a, a, a cheeky little difference if you're trying to differentiate a little bit. He seems to be on free kicks as well and he takes a hell of a free kick. Yes. Yeah, I'll kind of back you up on that. And then just as a, a different one on that is I watched the game between West Ham and Norwich and Yarmolenko does look very decent. He 5.9. He looks like he might be starting now with Antonio out injured. Could be a good differential pick. The problem is with him, he does get a bit feisty for no reason. But yeah, he is one that caught the eye in that Norwich game. Three attempts that he got in that game. Very active. He got the goal as well. So it could be interesting. But could take some goals from Haller. Sorry, sorry, I might have completely overlooked this. Have you mentioned Daniel James yet? No. Okay, because I, I think he is looking... 
So I think Daniel James is looking really good as well at the moment for United. I mentioned it before, with Sanchez going, um, I think he's pretty nailed on to get good game time. If he doesn't start every week, he'll certainly be on as a sub. And the guy's got a hell of a finish on him. You know, he's probably the, the shining light in the United side that's flattered to deceive this season. But he is the the outstanding, most transferred in player ahead of the likes of De Bruyne at the moment. And Aguero. So I think if you haven't got him, he might be a bandwagon that actually takes off over the next few game weeks. Yeah, you could be. I was just wondering whether he'll keep his place. He's done enough to do that, but Marshall's due back as well, isn't he? So the yeah. only thing I, I think my, I'm, I'm going to throw a non-statistical view at this, but Martial is due back. But I think that this Solskjaer team, he, he's trying to get back to I think what Ferguson was doing. I think it's no coincidence they've signed a Welsh winger to emulate emulate Giggs and stick him <laughs> on the ten. Side. So for me, there's something about Solskjaer desperately trying to copy the Ferguson model with the, the next coming of Ryan Giggs, but I could be wrong with that. But, but no, I think Daniel James is looking very good, um, could play either side potentially. And United, ultimately, I think they have to play him at the moment. I don't see where else their firepower is coming from. Yeah, I agree. And he's got good stats at the moment in terms of attempts. He's got 11 attempts so far this season. Nine of them are in the box as well. And he's got the three goals. So, yeah, he's, he's a promising one. Okay. Well, one other I'd probably throw into the mix. I mean, everyone's looking at getting Sun in now. Uh, or rather, a lot of people are. But now that his transfer debate is, is over, could be Christian Eriksen. And with Lo Celso now out injured, he's he's set to start. He's guaranteed to start. I mean, I think he probably would have done anyway. Trippi is no longer at the club, taking away set pieces, yeah. and he comes in at a much kinder price point than than Son and Kane. Yeah, eight point eight. A cheeky entrance into that um, Spurs attack with some very kind fixtures coming up. Yeah, I agree with that. Eight point eight. I'm very interested in that. Whether or not I can move him into my team is a different story, but. If you've Absolutely. got that price point to play with, Ericsson could become an absolute bargain at 8.8. Yeah, I have to agree with that. It's um easiest way into a, a world-class player in the Premier League at the moment, and we could see more for Kane if he starts playing regularly again. So, chaps, let's get into our more general questions. We've got a few of them. Some of these we might have covered already. Others, I think they, they might throw up some new discussions. Apologies to any questions that we, we don't or didn't get to. There were loads, so thank you very much once again, everybody. But Will Minus, first of all, Pepe or De Bruyne for the next 10 game weeks? I mean, for, for me personally, that's a no-brainer in terms of De Bruyne, but I'd be interested yeah. to see what you think about that, John. Yeah, De Bruyne. Yeah, 100% De Bruyne. Um, no, on a serious note, um, I mean, I, I saw Pepe play against us recently and he does look really threatening. I think he could be a great FPL asset. At the moment, though, De Bruyne's in such electric form, I, I wouldn't want to look away from him. Looking at, I've had a little look at Pepe, and, and they've got some great fixtures all the way up to game week 16, so we probably do have time to have a little look, let Pepe find a bit of form, maybe jump on him then. But for the time being, De Bruyne's number one for me. Yeah, 100%. He's a, probably the best FPL asset this year, I reckon. Playing so far forward, you know, first goal he scored, shooting from distance and he says he's happy to be back, he said that on match of the day he scored and assisted three times in the game against Scotland last night, four shots he got in that game as well, so he's looking to score, he's looking to assist, he's got everything but if you're bringing, if you're just looking at Pepe as an asset 
it is hopeful with him. Like I said on the FML FPL podcast, yeah, he's got 12 attempts already so far this season, five in the box. He got the seven attempts against Spurs. He's, he was actually top for final third touches in that game with five chances created. He's just his decision-making when it comes to the final ball is not quite there yet for me, but there is a lot of hope there. I just want to see some regular turns, as John said. At least we forget he did get 22 goals and 11 assists last season. So he, he does have it in him, and I agree with what you say there, John. We, we can kind of wait and see what mm. happens with him and see where it goes. But I think that kind of leads me on to another asset in that price range in terms of Son. And I do think that he is a good asset. And if you catch him before he actually explodes, it could be quite a good one to go for. So he looked really good, had a lot of freedom against Arsenal. And, you know, Tottenham's first goal would certainly appear to suggest that when Luis clears his line, Kane drops in to win that header, leaving Son, Lamella and Eriksen to kind of feast on the second ball. So Spurs have got a lot of depth now so maybe a little bit of worry whether or not he's going to be changeable but Son last year year before has always been a really good FPL asset and maybe if you can get to him before he kicks off could really pay off so he could be a good one to go for it's just you you want to see Spurs doing better as a team before you bring him in Mm. yeah I I can't move on from this question uh, from this question until I mention uh, I know we said about his stats against Scotland but if you saw the ball into I think it was for the, the second goal possibly the ball into the box with barely any backlift was reminiscent of uh, of Lewis Figo in his prime his delivery was unbelievable against Scotland so yeah De Bruyne is looking really good at the moment and Pepe I'm just hoping he doesn't turn into the new Jovino um, although Jovino is making a comeback doing some great stuff uh, for Palmer currently in Serie A. So watch this space. Um, Alan Duffin, is Pookie a long-term asset for the panel? Or in my case, should I be jumping on Barnes for game week five to seven? Iceman? I think Pookie is definitely a long-term asset. You know, scoring for Norwich, attacking team, scoring for Finland. I heard he... a stat about him today. I think in the same time period, Cristiano Ronaldo has 32 goals and 10 assists. Pookie has 42 and 11 assists. So, oh, great stat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks to TalkSport for that one today. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, obviously playing at the same level across the last 12 months, I think that's hard to argue, <laughs> isn't it? Which is the better player. Yeah. Yeah, I, you, I do think he's a long-term asset. Yeah, and is he on pens now as well? Could I mean, be. I don't think I'd have thought he was at the start of the season. I don't know each other nightmare at pens last season. They took seven, scored, six, uh, scored one, missed six. Pookie was one of the guys who missed, but he, he took one in the internationals and, and scored it. For me, Barnes is a great option, but I'd like to have both, if I'm honest. And certainly if the question is, do we jump on Barnes for the short term of, of five to seven? No, not for me. I think Pookie's still a hold. Yeah, looks a, looks a great striker. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd stick with that as well. Pookie, looking good, looking good. Um, Emma, who is the best Arsenal asset and, and the best affordable Arsenal asset, given their great record, fixture run and risk of rotation? John, I'll come to you first on that one. What your view on the Gunners? Um, I mean, I think the, the best Arsenal assets aren't particularly affordable. Um, we've touched on Pepe already. He He's quality and at 9-5 could be great value, but I think I want to see a bit more. I think there's no question for me that, and you can already see it in the points differential, that Aubameyang is worth that extra over um, Lacazette, if you can afford it. 
Um, in terms of budget options, I mean, we, we know about Ceballos, a slight rotation miss potentially and still question marks about where exactly he's going to play and how much output he'll have. But he could be an interesting one, one that I'm still waiting to see on personally. Maitland-Niles at the back actually could be really good value. Really nice price points, showing a lot of attack and threat. And again, as as, the, as Emma's asked, um, they've got some really lovely fixtures, so it could get some joy out of him in the next few weeks. I mean, he gets forward well, Maitland-Niles, but not really an option for me. I can see Arsenal conceding nearly every game they play, and sure. he doesn't really create enough. He's only got the five chances created so far, and that's the same as players like Loton, who's 4.5 price, so... I'd probably rather go one of those assets and use the money elsewhere. Yeah, I see your point. But with Arsenal, I think there's only maybe three, maybe four players worth considering. That'll be Aubameyang, Ceballos, Pepe, and maybe Lacazette. But I need, like you say, I need to see some more. I mean, Aubameyang's returning again. The consistent returns is kind of what you want in a player. And he has been rested for the international break as well. I was just looking at the players which have had consistent returns so far this season. And they are Aubameyang, KDB, Aguero, Wilson, and Martial. And they're, I think they're the ones that have returned in every single game. There are players which have returned in all but one game. And they have been PVA, Luca Dean, TAA, Sterling, Salah, Pookie, Barnes, Firmino and James, who you mentioned earlier. So, you know, Aubameyang's right up there. But no shots in the box up to the 60-minute mark against Spurs. And that's when he got moved centrally. And then he got three shots in the box and then obviously got that goal. So it is worrying that he has played out there. And under Emery management, you just don't know what he's going to do. So you're a little bit worried of whether or not he's going to play him out on the left or out in the middle. I mean, Aubameyang will always play, but you want him as that central striker. Not saying that he won't get anything from the left, just think that he'll get more centrally. I mean, if you look at him compared to Lacazette, Lacazette has only started two games, Aubameyang all four, but Lacazette's actually still managed to get two goals from eight shots with Orba on 13 shots. So I think it's closer than people think if Lacazette's going to start, but you just don't know, do you? Uh, if we move on to Ceballos, I mean, like, he gets the team kind of going when he came on in the North London derby. He looks good and you know you're going to need some consistent numbers and more importantly, consistent starts from him. I mean, I, I looked at his numbers, I've said it back on a passport, but he's only got seven goals and four assists over 100 La Liga games, albeit very minimal appearances though, but... Yeah, he can play deeper. There are other players in the team for the likes of Torreira, Willock, Xhaka and Gwenzuzi. So he's got to rotate around those players as well. So, I mean, he, he mostly generates moves that lead to goals, I think, though. But it's all early days for him. Yeah, you've got to ask the question, is there a more intelligent footballer in world football than Granit Xhaka right now? <laughs> what, a, what, a, what, a, what a player he is. Oh, yeah, interesting. Uh, I'm hearing nobody's talking about David Luiz, and I think there's there's good reason for that. But yeah, so definitely some Arsenal assets potentially there. So I'm going to move us on to Alex. Love to hear your thoughts on a budget front three. So, John, I'm going to come to you for this, but he said the likes of Pookie, Rashford, Halibans, Abraham, are you coming to the fore? Are they viable? His personal three would be Barnes, Haller, and Pookie, with Tammy coming in a few weeks. 
I would agree wholeheartedly with him. As I said earlier, I, I've got Barnes and Pookie at the moment. I'm pretty sure that Hal is going to come in for me and make up that three. In terms of the other options, I mean, there's a wealth of options there. I, I feel as though Rashford, because of those value options that are available, is probably a little bit too expensive, in my opinion. Certainly, United seems to be toiling a little bit at the moment, so I probably wouldn't want to invest that extra in Rashford. But outside of that, yeah, I mean, Tammy, we've touched on, looks really good at the moment, but I'd certainly want to give him the next couple of tough games, see if he can keep doing it. Are you? Not for me. I don't know uh, if I, I fear. He's, he's a cheap budget option, but probably not cheap enough to put on the bench. And probably not strong enough option to play week in, week out for me. So I think, yeah, that Barnes at the moment, I think, is probably number one with that fixture run. Pookie, most of us have probably jumped on him already and won't want to sell him anytime soon. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited about Halleck because I'm about to buy him. So fingers crossed that works out. What's your thoughts on Firmino? Exactly. I mean, he, he's got the most penalty area touches for strikers with 30. And also got the most shots in the game so far with 17. I know. And and to be honest, as, as a red, he's playing far further forward than he normally does. He's often dropped deeper than the other two and allowed them to bomb on. He does seem to be further forward and, and attacking the goal much more. He looks confident I, as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, and to be honest, I've been cancelling friends of mine uh, who asked my opinion that I wouldn't waste a Liverpool asset on him because because Mane, Salah more important, the defensive value is there. But that was a few weeks ago and to be honest, I'm starting to, to think that he, he does look at 9.5 is a really cheap and well, I say really cheap but he's a cheaper entry into that Liverpool attack and he's looking fantastic. So, I, not for me at the moment but I certainly wouldn't uh, put anyone off doing it. And uh, whoscored.com are rating him above KDB and Aguero for ratings so far this season. Yeah, he's very good for me. So let's go to Mike. Uh, Malkahai has asked, sorry if I got that wrong, obviously. uh, Now that the transfer windows have closed, are there players worth considering more or less than before the windows closing? So uh, obviously you've mentioned Ericsson already, John. Is there anyone else that suddenly comes to mind? You know, the Zahas of this world or anybody else? Um, I, not that I think the transfer window is impacted. As you say, I think Ericsson is, is now clearly settled uh, at Spurs and is going to be staying, so he becomes an app. I don't see anyone who's affected by the transfer window that I really want to... Yourself? Um, well, I, I just want I, I do think um, Rashford and Daniel James, because Lukaku and Sanchez going, there's only so much ground that Martial will cover between those two, and they don't really have anyone else unless you think Greenwood's going to get time. So I do think the Man United attack become a more reasonable kind of mid-price option moving forward because they haven't got the competition for places. Mm. That's fair. Yeah, fair. I was hoping Greenwood was, was going to be a lot more yes. nailed now. We all were. hasn't played out. Yeah. Greenwood killing all of us. Let's hope he comes good. Uh, okay, so Board has asked, uh, should I wildcard for two of Alba, Aguero, Vardy and Vardy? Bloody hell, Vardy and Pepe? <laughs> for me, probably not. I mean, it feels like those moves are trying to be template busting for the sake of it. I think if you look yeah. at Raz, Salah, Dinier, TAA, those are good options to start with. I don't think I'd be ripping up my team to be putting Aubameyang, Vardy, Pepe and Cohen just yet. They've yeah. not shown enough. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Uh, Mad Hatter 
So, and we'll be hearing more from Mad Hatter later. So, going forward, is it viable to looking at shifting Salah and Lanzini to Son and Pepe, or is Salah too essential even for the move? Salah's in good form, Son and Pepe not currently. I would stick Lanzini is also a good option. I would just stick. Absolutely. I mean, I did personally move Salah to Mane on a wild card, and even that I'm partially regretting. I certainly wouldn't be wasting free transfers on on losing a player like Salah and, and leaving yourself without Liverpool attack, in my opinion. Okay, so Eric Freeman, direct one for Jossie. So Jossie, you've undoubtedly seen a few shifts in FPL style of play over the years uh, that have affected FPL. Do you believe we're in a shift now? And if so, what FPL adjustments do we need to make to stay ahead of the game? Interesting. Yeah, that, look, I think... FPL's always shifting, and I think it's probably a case now more than ever that for many years we've had this standard structure of 3-4-3 and certain approach to, to formation. It seems this season particularly so much flexibility in, in options that allow you to play a variety of different formations. We're seeing five at the back, we're seeing 4-4-2. 343 is coming back into fashion all of a sudden. I think what we're seeing, and this for me has been a theme of the past two seasons, the amount of investment now in the Premier League has meant that there's quality assets all over the league. And for me, the, the biggest chance, frustration last season was you could have a great week, all of your assets delivering, and there's a bunch of other assets delivering for your rivals as well. So it, it, the challenge is... Which assets do you maintain? Which do you jump on? How do you do you be uh, patient? I think you just need to maintain flexibility. Another key point is around rotation. And actually, do we need to just ignore it now? We talked about Trent before, potentially a player who is worth taking the risk of missing a game because he's such a strong asset when he, he does play that he's, he's worth holding. The old adage has always been pick nail players, but is is that absolutely necessary now when we look at maybe a player like David Silva who won't necessarily play week in, week out, but can hit double figures when, when he does? So I think that, again, is maybe a change in, in potential um, strategy. Last season, I think about Sun, coming up to the Christmas period and um, we knew there was a um, fixture build-up over Christmas period. We knew that some was going to be chipping off to the Asian Cup in January. So in my infinite wisdom, I decided to, to steer clear because it was a transfer waiting to happen <laughs> and he absolutely killed my rank. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, potentially sometimes we need to ignore rotation. It's interesting to hear from such a veteran like yourself and how <laughs> things may have changed throughout the years. Okay, so uh, with so many questions, we're really sorry we didn't get to answer everything. Hopefully that that's covered a lot of what you wanted to know. We'll try and answer things on Twitter. But it's now very much time for the Iceman's Piss. Thanks very much. Um, well, I'm going to go as well. <laughs> yeah.
Um, we welcome the Iceman back from his uh, his piss break, which we've just confirmed for John is an actual thing. Minute for minutes, that is the time the Iceman has spent in the bathroom. So, fun fact. Right, let's um, let's talk about who we are partnered with. First of all, we've had Mikel Tokfam on recently. He dazzled us with his algorithm, and it continues to work wonders. So, this is applied to the Iceman's team. These were three suggested transfers the Iceman could make. Yotta to King, Yotta to Barnes, or Yotta to Wood. I think it's fairly safe to say those would, would be two, uh, sorry, three good suggestions. Iceman didn't do anything and only lost that on one point this week, uh, in the last week. So this week it suggests three moves involving one transfer. So Yotta to Barnes, Yotta to King, and uh, Yotta to Woods again. Or the fourth option would be Mount to Trossard. Iceman, I think there's a fairly strong hint here. You need to get rid of Yotta. <laughs> yeah, he is gone. He's gone. So involving two transfers, one offensive uh, area change you could make is uh, Mount and Yotta to Campwell and Hallow. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm not going to do that. You're not, you're not particularly tickled by that one? No. I do okay, like the number enough. one option, though. Yotta to Barnes. Yes, I, I, I like that. I, I think... Just just get rid of Yotta, I think, is the, the bottom line there. Yeah. So, great stuff from Mikel Topfam. If you want to find out a bit more about that, go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. So, also, an exciting new partnership we have to tell you about. We're now partnered with FPL Doodles, who is producing weekly doodles for us to share, promoting the podcast. He's on Twitter at FPLDoodles1. And on YouTube, searching for FPL Doodle, some great content. Go and check him out. Done a fantastic mock-up of uh, of myself, the Iceman, and him to uh, declare our partnership. I think he got our shapes bang on, actually. Oceanman, oh yeah, yeah, we look, we look huge. It was great. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got your kind of chiselled definition. He's got my uh, slightly more bulky off-season, lack of triceps appearance. <laughs> Uh, no, this guy's quite happy with it, actually. The facial features, yeah, but maybe look better in many ways. Yeah, I am So, yeah, go check him out. FBL Doodles 1. Okay. Uh, quickly then, chaps, we're running out of time. Transfers and captains. Let's go to our guests, first of all. Who's your skipper and your transfer for this week? Okay, I've touched on it once or twice, but I'm going to be selling Greenwood this week and bringing in Hallett from West Ham and switching yes, back sorry. to 3 4 3. Captaincy is going to go on Raheem Sterling. And hopefully he won't let me down this week. Yeah, the faith back in Sterling. Iceman? Yep, as I've mentioned a few times now, I've already done the move Yotta to Barnes, and I think I'm just going to roll a transfer. Captaincy, I do think it's a lot a lot harder than it has been before in terms of Salah and Sterling. I mean, you look at Salah and his result last year against Newcastle, uh, Liverpool, they won 4-0, so Newcastle could be out to defend, but I have been tempted by him because he's not gone away on international. Uh, Sterling, no shots in the last game, doesn't really put me off though. He is top for everything in terms of stats and Norwich have loads of injuries you know they've got Zimmerman out injured from the last game Hadley's out injured they've only got one fit centre back they've got injuries elsewhere to the team they don't look like a team that is going to go out and defend so they have only got one option and that is to attack and playing against City you know they're going to get annihilated I think the only problem is I am a little bit worried of rotation 
Stefan actually found out, he looked back at the games which Sterling was away from the international break and Pep has been giving him, he's found out every single game he's played when he's come back from international and Pep's given him 74 minutes, 0 minutes, 74 again and 88 minutes after international break last season. So that is the only worry there. Uh, I am currently on Captain Sterling at the moment though. Uh, how many minutes did he get today? Uh, oh, got the full 90. Oh, jeez. God. <laughs> <laughs> is a little bit off-putting. So, uh, but yeah, that, that is the the problem there. So, at the moment it's on Sterling, I could switch to Salah. Um, yeah, in terms of my skipper, I think I'm going to stick with Sergio Aguero, you know. He's in such good form at the moment. I could, I could miss out to Sterling captainers, but I do have Sterling to cushion the blow. I just think Sergio's in such good form at the moment. I'm going to stick with him. In terms of my transfer, I've actually brought in Daniel James. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like his form at the moment. Uh, I think he's got a goal scoring threat and I think Ollie's going to play him. So potentially a differential compared to some managers, even though he's being transferred in quite a lot, but we will, we will see in this next game week. I like it. Okay. Um, so we need to go through our FPL uh, surgery mini league in the Patreon league. So the winner for August is Luke Barlow. Prize on the way to you, Luke. You're going to be getting some of our merchandise once I've sent some of that to the Iceman. And the winner for the August prize draw is Mahesh Jagadeesan. Prize on its way to you as well, Mahesh. Apologies again if I pronounced your name I wrong. I thought you meant to pronounce it perfectly, mate. Didn't sound too bad, did it? Yeah. Um, let's tell you, yeah, so uh, Luke Barlow finished top, or is currently top of, of the mini league. We've got Alan Duffin in second and Rich Davis in third. Now for our big open to the public mini league. So that's the FPL Surgery Podcast mini league. Uh, the code to join it is CCCJK2. And the top 10, let's see how we get on with this. 10th place, we've got, uh, sorry, Genendra Parajuli with uh, Mordor. Uh, ninth place, John Hartepe with my achy breaky heart. Kyle Steinsapir, uh, sorry, with one Rosaka. Ian Ross in seventh. We'll just do the names now. Sixth place, Julia Rogers. Fifth, Peter Kelly. Fourth is Dan Fenn. Third is England legend Carlton Palmer. <laughs> Second, Lydia Clements. And third, uh, sorry, first is Desmond Brady. I love Desmond. Love the name there. Flum Buffers FC. Brilliant. Great team name. Um, so, before we move on, John uh, was going to give us his wild card team. Okay, guys. Um, yeah, so I had a little look at what I would do if I were wildcarding this week. I haven't done so a couple of weeks ago. And it's not a million miles away from what I already have. But for me now, we've talked about already. Alexander-Arnold, I think, is a must-have. I think I'd take Otamendi and Dinier as, as a set-and-forget-back three. Lundstram in there as, as great value on the bench. And, and then I, I picked a 4.5 of, of, of Dunk because I happen to still have him um, at 4.5. But the Leicester guy, Troy Boy, whatever his name is, um, <laughs> he's also a good pick. Across the midfield, I've needed to take Mane to, to facilitate the rest of this team. But I've got Mane, Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, I think, again, a must-have. And I've, I've gone with Mount in my fourth midfield spot. Uh, there's a number of options there, but I got him in early, and, and he's who I would keep for a wild card now. And then as as a as my bench fodder attacker, Campwell, who I picked up at four point seven, l- looks fantastic value. 
great attacking team. And he's there to just to chip in off the bench when he needs to and, and potentially sometimes be used as a starter. And now, as I've talked about quite a bit, I'm now going with this budget, mid-priced attacking three of Haller, Barnes and Pookie. That gives me a 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, in nets, the overlooking the goalkeeper, Pope. Pope looks fantastic. I mean, they obviously now Burnley got a fantastic run of fixtures. And even prior to that, you know, we've, we've seen Pope delivering good returns, even with the tougher fixtures. As we know, Burnley are now back to their old resistant defensive performances, uh, restricting opposition teams to long-distance shots and giving Pope the opportunity to make lots of saves. I mean, the, the guy nearly had bonus points the other day despite con- conceding. So, um, yeah, I think he's a great pick. And then I'm, I'm topping off that bench with a £4 million. Newcastle guy, Woodman, just as a... Um, very nice team very nice uh, if you guys have heard my stomach go nuts throughout this podcast I do apologise no I didn't okay, okay. <laughs> right, we'll cut this bit then I know I think your stomach's fine mate <laughs> good <laughs> okay yeah I like the uh, I like the sound of that wild card team okay Iceman so let's uh, let's hear what Brett's got to say here he is if you're sexy with sexy thoughts this week's sexy thoughts goes out to probably my most favourite thing in the world that's not a person or an animal, and that's music. It's absolutely amazing, something special. The vibrations of the universe. I could live without my phone, I could even live without sport, easily live without a TV, but I could not live without music. So good if you need to study, if you want to relax, if you need to get pumped up, if you're at the gym, uh, music's just something special. I could be in the worst mood in the world, I put on the right music and I'd be quite happy to rub my doodle all over a spiky echidna, no problem. So go out, listen to some music and enjoy. You. You. Vibrations of the universe. That's, I've never heard it described like that before. More creative wisdom and genius there from uh, from FPL Sexy. Beautiful. Okay, we've got one final question. It's from Rebant, hashtag FPL. Uh, what is Jossie called in the Hub Group chat? <laughs> um, is that for me to answer? Yeah, that is. I, I'm, I'm allegedly called Kissy now. Um, I think it's your fault, isn't it, James? Yeah, it is. Yeah, sorry. But most things are his fault. Go on. It was a typo um, once that is now stuck. So instead of being called Jossie, I was called Kissy once. To, to, um, to be fair, it's it's Tom from Who Got the Assist who seems to be carrying that on. He's carrying on very well. So well done, Tom. You beat it with a stick. It's fine. Nice. Okay, well, um, chaps, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Before we say our goodbyes, I'll just tell you how you can get involved with all things FPL surgery. If you want to get involved in our Slack channel or join our mini leagues, help to support the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery. Our public uh, mini league is cccjk 2 you can check us out at fplsurgery.com and you'll find us on, on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter at FPL Surgery. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes and if you do go on there and listen to us, please give us some feedback or, or just rate the podcast. It's very helpful. Or you can email us info at fplsurgery.com if you're confused as to where the nature of your inquiry should go. I want to thank our guests. So uh, Jossie, a.k.a. John Lambert, for joining us. So thank you for your time, John. And just tell us a bit about um, the partnership we've got going on. Thank you, guys. Yeah, well, as you know, I'm, I'm a contributor on Fancy Football Hub. Uh, Will has, has put together a great group of 
some of the best FPL players in the game, plus me. <laughs> the, there's a whole host of tools on there. Ben Crellin, the, the, the double game week guru, he's got his FPL planner on there. I've got uh, an FPL planner that helps you, you know, plan for double game weeks, plan your transfers week on week. There's a, there's a fantastic Optostats tool. Um, we've just launched as well a brand new comparison tool allows you to compa- compare combinations of players and, and display the strength of both options and a kind of graphical displays. All sorts of fantastic tools, team reveals from, from top players like Matthew Jones, uh, loads of great contacts from the likes of Adam Hopcroft, um, Heisenberg. Probably, I'm probably forgetting some great people. The who, who's got, uh, who got the assist guys? Also, uh, contributing a load of great contact content. So, yeah, I mean, get involved. Check out the Fantasy Football Hub. You can find us on Twitter. If you use the um, promotion code Jossy, J-O-S-S-Y, then you can get a discount on membership. So, check it out, guys. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's been fantastic having you on, John. Thanks very much for joining us. I think we've, uh, I'd say it's fair to say we've uh, taken a lot from that once again, Iceman. Yeah, thank you very much, John. It's really interesting. Thanks, to guys. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, well, that brings us to the end of another FPL Surgery podcast. Iceman, as per usual, is there any any wisdom that you can offer these people outside of your FPL genius? Um, If you're going to an 80s dress-up party, Freddie Mercury is a good bet. Yeah, pictures to support that statement will leak shortly. You can look forward to that. Um, With all that being said, thank you for listening once again. Good luck with your game weeks. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. There it is. Right, let's finish on Mad Hatter's Bad Chatter. Alexa, so how did the last game week pan out? Well, for you Mad Hatter, absolute tripe. Ha ha ha. Did you know that I have a fantasy team myself? Well, I do. I had Sterling as captain. That little Belen done absolutely sod all. I'm currently hacking into his media devices to wake him up at 5 o'clock every morning and call him a talentless tosspot. Until he learns his lesson. The bloke is an absolute <laughs> licking, <laughs> diving, Twitter overusing, <laughs> sucking, <laughs> tickling, marmite spreader. He also runs like a little girl. <laughs> 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 yeah.